We all love the sound of money, and a $1,500 sign-on bonus sounds even better. That's right, Belicio Foods of Jackson is offering a $1,500 sign-on bonus to new employees. Receive an extra $100 your first six weeks, then $400 after day 90, and $500 after day 180. Don't wait. Apply online at BelicioFoods.com slash careers today. That's BelicioFoods.com slash careers. Come work for a company who truly values their employees. Come work for Belicio Foods. everyone and welcome to another edition of the morning show right here on main street tv of course jennifer here to start off your morning with our good friend pete wilson in the house on a tuesday on a tuesday strangely enough doing the morning news update well we had a guest yesterday and we had a lot of fun talking about belicio and all of the neat things that they do there and of course the hiring event that they have coming up uh, i think it's this friday um so we got to hear all about that so Pete gave up his chair so sweetly and decided he would come back today. Right. Well, there's always news happening, and so we just piled a little bit more up for you. I know. I was going to say, so it gave you an extra day to come up with another, you know, 100,000 news stories. Right. Well, there's a, there's a lot, so we'll get right to it. Uh, on Sunday, uh, late Sunday afternoon and into Sunday evening, uh, we had a fatality-related yeah. accident unfold on U.S. Route 35, actually in Ross County, but Ooh. very close to Jackson County. And that is uh, honestly a fairly graphic picture that yes. we're showing you. Uh, it was, uh, it was a, a submitted photo from a photographer who uh, wanted to contribute but, you know, didn't want credit or anything. So, uh, but they were obviously at the scene to take this picture. And what you see there, if you're, if, you know, if you're, uh, you know, watching on TV right now on our monitor, you see to the left there, you see the back of a semi that was hauling logs. Yes. On the right, wow. you have uh, a large van, <clears throat> large passenger van there, and the van struck the back of the log truck. Oh, uh, it happened on U.S. Route 35 at Limerick Road, not the Limerick Road in Jackson County, but the Limerick Road in Ross County which is not too far from the Jackson County line. I'd say within a mile or yeah, two. Yeah, like really close. Right. And so uh, it did not involve uh, any persons from the from the county, neither the truck driver nor the driver of the van. The driver of the van uh, was from Michigan. His name was, um, his name was Ivan Flores Helbrin, age 50. And uh, he was uh, life-flighted from the scene, but died in a Columbus hospital as a result of that horrible collision. So sad. Uh, his wife was in the car or in the van. She suffered minor injuries, was taken to Adena. The driver of the log truck uh, was not injured, um, but uh, this, was a, this was a rear end failure to, uh, failure to provide assured clear distance type accident. The log truck was in the right-hand lane making a turn on the Limerick Road, obviously was slowing to do that big rig, and the van hit it from behind. I Apparently, see. you didn't see in time to go around or wasn't able to go around, maybe because of traffic. Don't know. Yeah. But uh, that was, oh. that was it was a rear-end type, uh, type wreck. Uh, now, it affected uh, the locals uh, a lot because uh, there's a lot of traffic on that road. Yes. That is eastbound, heading towards Jackson County. And so a lot of folks got caught up, uh, you know, when the road was closed. Sure. Uh, patrol said the road was closed for a couple hours. It may have actually been more than that. The wreck itself was at 424 p.m., but I know deep into the evening, uh, the highway was closed there, east to eastbound traffic. Sure. And so, you know, they had to clean that all up as well as conduct the investigation. Uh, but a patrol spokesman said, uh, quote, Drivers are reminded to focus on the roadway and avoid distractions when driving. Correct. And so the crash does remain under investigation, but uh, unfortunately, a gentleman from Michigan lost mm, his life. That's so sad. Uh, in that uh, wreck, you just have to be uh, so so careful out there. You do. A, a lot of big trucks on that road, you know, changing lanes, turning off, turning in. Uh, you just have to, you just have to be a very vigilant. We don't know all the circumstances right. of that wreck beyond. 
uh, you know, the basics of what well, happened there. That's why they're doing the big the big deal at the at the rest area there, Pete, because of that very reason. Right. You know, there's been uh, that rest stop, by the way, probably within three miles of, of this fatality related scene. Sure. And, uh, you know, if, when you're driving that direction, either to or from Columbus, Chillicothe, whatever, driving to or back towards Jackson, you see that construction going on, which will go on throughout the summer. But what's happening there, you know, if you, you, know, you need reminded uh, or you've forgotten, they're putting in acceleration and deacceleration lanes there. For so, that very reason. Right. So that when, you, you know, you're turning yes. off of a highway into the rest stop, you have a lane to get into. Yes. And same when you're uh, uh, entering the highway from the rest stop, both sides of the road. Mm. All right. So, uh, you know, that, that. That, that will be going on. All right. Uh, last night, this is fairly fresh news. This comes from our associate editor, Phil Buffington. Uh, there was a meeting last night of the Wellston City Board of Education, and a couple major hirings took place. Uh, Jenny Jenkins Sizemore, who has been a first grade teacher at uh, in the Wellston City School District, there she is, right there. She happens to be the daughter of board board, board member Betty Jenkins, well okay. known in Wellston. But Jenny Jenkins Sizemore is stepping up into the role of Bundy Elementary Principal, so she goes from the classroom. Uh, into the principal's oh, office. Cool. So congratulations to her. Yeah. And uh, of course, this affects another person, Dana Eberts, who has been the principal at Bundy Elementary School for some time. Mm -hmm. She is now the new director of curriculum and instruction slash federal programs coordinator. Okay. Very important central administration job. Uh, she will be transitioning into that job starting in the new school year. She will be replacing uh, Dana. Will be replacing Brandy Cup, who had that who had had that position before. I don't believe Brandy is no longer with the district. Okay. So this was at our, at the board meeting uh, last night. Uh, Phil was there. We'll have uh, more than one news story coming out of that. And uh, backtracking back to uh, the story about the uh, fatality related wreck on thirty five. Uh, we've already got that on our website if you want to check that out. Okay. Also, we shared that uh, to Facebook as well. We thought it was important to get that information out. A lot of people wanted to know what happened, didn't want you to have to wait for the news. And, you know, that's why we have the website, uh, you know, to get some of those stories out there quicker. You don't have to that's wait right. for the print edition. Of also course, keep you from uh, getting stuck in traffic as well. Right. That story will be uh, in the print edition prominently as well uh, tomorrow in our Wednesday paper. All right. Some other things to report. Uh, this comes from the Jackson County Common Pleas Courtroom, a three-day jury trial that was scheduled for this week. It was supposed to start on uh, Monday and perhaps go as, go through Wednesday. Okay. It was canceled at the last minute because of a plea deal. And uh, the uh, young defendant, Gage Hook of Wellston, uh, accepted a plea deal in the face of three fourth-degree felony counts of unlawful sexual conduct with a minor or corruption of a minor. He has decided to take a, a plea deal. Uh, he had been indicted back on April the 8th by a grand jury for alleged crimes that were said to have taken place between January 27th and February 12th of this year, so fairly recent alleged crimes. Wow. According to the indictment, the three counts involve a minor older than 13 but younger than 16. Hook was a member of the 2002 Wellston High School graduating class, or was supposed to have been. Uh, uh, he uh, was incarcerated before the ceremony took place. His name was on the class list in the graduation program, but his name was not called. So The he, 22. Right. He had been a okay. senior at Wellston High School. This year. Right. Okay. Exactly. Wow. Oh. So, uh, you know, uh, he uh, was represented by uh, Gene Meadows uh, as his defense attorney. Uh, the plea hearing is currently set for August 12th at 10.45 a.m. in the Jackson County Common Pleas Courtroom. Um, so uh, we will see what happens there. But once again, a trial was to have uh, taken place uh, Monday through this Wednesday, uh, canceled because of the defense, The young defendant decided to accept a plea, a plea deal. We know there's lots of interest in this case. Uh, it involves uh, you know, a young man uh, who was a student at Wellston High School with uh, the alleged victim being another student, perhaps. All right, uh, we uh, have hmm. some, uh, uh, this was reported in our Saturday paper, uh, the state of Ohio through the Ohio Department of Development. We've talked about this on television, but we've got some more particulars for you now. 
dumped $500,000 on Jackson County, $499,000 on Benton County uh, for demolition work. We'll take it. This is yeah, exactly. This is uh, and this is all money indirectly, at least uh, coming uh, through the federal government. You know, on the ARPA stuff and so forth. But uh, this work through the uh, High Department of Development is for demolition. And you know, this is a big deal here. Uh, a lot of dilapidated structures uh, in in our two counties. Sometimes the property owners don't have the money to tear it down. Don't want to tear it down. Uh, in Jackson County. There's a pretty long list of projects that will, 46 of them, I believe, uh, most of them involving residential property, but some commercial property as yes. well. And those are the ones that people know the most about. Uh, one of the structures that will be torn down with this money, by the way, the money has not been released. It's been granted. It's coming. It's in the pipeline. Okay. But So this isn't happening tomorrow, but it should be happening for sure. The Louvie Theater in Wilson, of course, is one of Aww. the headliners here. There it is, of course. Building goes back into the 1930s in Wellston. Uh, there was an effort uh, earlier this year to perhaps resurrect it uh, after it looked like it was going to be demolished for sure. Uh, that plan fell through just because of a lack of funding. Yes. And uh, now it was put back on the demolition list. And I know that that is high on Charlie Hudson, Mayor Charlie Hudson's list uh, for demolition. It's, it's so bitter. Like It's, just it's a bittersweet it's it's bitter bitter thing. Yeah. Uh, every time we post something, or we run a story, you know, there's the nostalgia comes out. Of you know, course. We, we all remember going to see a movie there or a concert or something. Right. You know, this, the same thing happened with the Marquette Theater in Jackson. It was be able to be saved. But yes. remember, it was about a million dollar deal yeah, to resurrect the Marquette. And so that's uh, that's that's the issue there. But so the Louvie Theater uh, in downtown Wellston uh, will be demolished. Uh, that's one of the structures. Another structure that will be demolished uh, in Jackson is um, a structure, the old Bell Bond building at 369 Portsmouth Street in Jackson. There yes. it is. Very familiar. It sat right next to the old Michael's ice cream building across from the Jackson County Sheriff's Office. And that building, not in very good shape. Michael's, of no. course, was recently torn down. Yes. And now this building will also be torn down. Um, those are just two of the buildings, uh, commercial buildings in Jackson County that, are, that will be torn down. There's a total of about six. Um, of course, one of them uh, is the uh, old pool hall in Wellston, the King's Pool Hall there on 2nd Street. We've talked a lot about that okay. uh, because, you know, part of the wall in the back fell down. Yes, it did. They was concerned about that. They did recently determine that it was not in danger of falling down more. Uh, than what it already has. And so they're not going to try to fast track a demolition. Okay. Mayor Hudson was talking about going ahead and doing the demolition before the grant funding was approved or released. Now he knows he can wait on that money to come in and then and then, uh, and then go forward with the project. In Vinton County, uh, there's uh, a number of projects too, about 14 projects, I believe, up there. Three of them are old commercial buildings, a couple of old grocery stores in Zaleski and Ray. Okay. And then uh, another another structure, another structure that uh, is called the Old Hamden Crossing Bar on State Route 93, just north of Hamden. Uh, it used to be a restaurant uh, not all that long ago. I know what you're talking. We were just, Jamie and I were just having the, a discussion about that place. I think it was called the Junction, place. maybe? Yeah, it was a million different things all at one time. Right. Well, that building is going to be torn down uh, okay. as part of the Vinton County project. So, you know, we talked with uh, Terry Featherhoff, the Vinton County Development Director there. Once again, uh, she does say that, you know, they can't go forward until they receive the money because right. they're going to work with contractors to do the work. You know, they're going to need money to proceed. So it's been a long wait for the grant funding to be released. Uh, all along in Jackson and Vinton counties, the people who are driving this, the land bank in Jackson County, the development department in Vinton County knew that the money would probably be there. It was just it being released through yeah, the, just through getting the state that official, and, then, and then actually yeah, getting the money. That's the next step. Sure. And then, you know, you bet it out and, and all like that. So, you know, it, it takes a while. The wheels of justice grind slowly and the wheels of government can dry, can grind slowly as well. True. So, but that is uh, coming up. Okay. At the last Wellston city council meeting, uh, the city code enforcement director, Ryan Pelletier, of course, we've had him on here talking about the Boy Scouts, but he's also the Wellston choir chief. He's also the code enforcement director. He, a lot of hats. He has Ryan a lot wears. of hats that he wears. Ex yes. Exactly. Well, he wanted to remind everybody 
that the uh, next required mowing is going on in Wellston. Okay. Because of his position uh, and the code enforcement department now in the city of Wellston, uh, they really are, uh, they really paying a lot of attention to properties and the way they're being kept up to make Wellston an overall more attractive place, which will help everybody, of course. Sure. It'll help property values in neighborhoods and adjoining properties and just, you know, make the town more attractive to people who might live there and people who live there now. Yeah. And so uh, the next mowing, there's four mowings that have to be done. The city of Jackson has similar rules as well. But if you let your grass get too high, you Don't are do that. Uh, you are subject to having the city come in and mow it yourself and they'll charge you for it. Yes. It won't be it will be more than the neighbor boy would charge. Exactly. So uh, yeah, find the, the sweet neighbor boy to mow your grass. The for deadline you. for the third required mowing in Wellston is Sunday, July seventeenth at midnight. And that is when, you know, if you've already, you know, received your warning, uh, you know, if you don't get it done, uh, the city will cut your grass and weeds. Uh, up to uh, an expense of $250 per incident. I mean, you know, that, that can vary depending on how big, you know, the property is that they have to yes. mow, but it could cost that much. Uh, also, uh, the code enforcement officer, Ryan Pelletier, uh, provided information about his inspection of rental properties. You know, sometimes uh, landlords don't keep up their properties very well, and there's a lot of concern about, um, about the houses and apartments that people live in. So this is another thing that he is doing through the code enforcement department in Wellston. He's inspecting these properties and no doubt it has caused some landlords and property owners to do things to their properties to improve them mm -hmm. rather than getting written up and told that, you know, you have to do this and this. But so far uh, he has uh, done uh, 75 inspections and only four have failed their inspections. Oh, okay. And this isn't, you know, to have that you have pristine property. It's just that it's safe for somebody to live in, you know, the minimum standards. Sure. Um, there are a total of 250 rental properties that Pelletier is checking out. So he will be remaining busy with Ooh, that. That's a lot. All right. Uh, some other things going on. This, uh, this uh, comes from uh, the, this comes from the Buckeye Hills Career Center. Uh, not too long ago, uh, last week, as a matter, uh, United States Senator Rob Portman was there at the uh, at the university or at Buckeye Hills Career Center. Yeah. And the reason that he was there was to uh, talk about uh, his Jobs Act. Um, he was there to promote career and technical education in Ohio, and also to promote the bipartisan. Jumpstart our Ohio businesses by supporting the Students' Jobs Act. So that's kind of technical, but it's all about this new uh, this new emphasis on career education and how it can practically lead to a job. Uh, that picture there, there on the right, is United States Senator Rob Portman. On the left is uh, the Buckeye Hills Career Center Superintendent of the vocational program there, Jamie Nash, mm -hmm. and he has really been. Uh, uh, gun ho and a real advocate and force in uh, improving the image of the vocational school in Buckeye Hills Career Center and making the home schools and all students realize the opportunities that are there at the vocational sure. school and how they can lead directly to um, to jobs. And he's aligning the curriculum and increasing the curriculum to respond to the needs in today's jobs market. That's and, right. And, you know, the bottom line is, you know, you don't have to go to college to find a good job. You know, you really don't. No, you sure don't. And we have some wonderful vocational schools and trade schools here. Uh, Buckeye Hills being certainly one of them um, that the kids have that opportunity as well to graduate with, with a career. Right. That's pretty cool. But this will be, this will be one of the stories that, that, that we'll be reporting on here uh, in the near future. Uh, Phil Buffington uh, was down there covering that, uh, Senator Portman's appearance down there. And then also uh, James Hamilton went down there uh, to uh, do some video work as well. So we've got that, we've got that coverage coming. Okay, Jennifer, you hear uh, so much about green energy. Sure. And there was a gentleman from Paulding County named Tony Zartman who visited both the Jackson County Commissioner's and the Vinton County Commissioner's offices last week when the commissioners had their weekly meetings in both counties. And uh, Zartman, who was a former Paulding County commissioner, so he knows what the commissioners are dealing with. Gotcha. He was there uh, as part 
of a outfit called, he is the director of programs and operations for Land and Liberty Coalition. And what it is, this is a private group that works with local governments to make them more aware of green energy opportunities. Uh, you know, we're talking about wind energy, solar power. You know, we're hearing more about solar power in our local area. We have uh, two different pr projects proposed in Jackson yes. County. We have one that's been approved in Benton County uh, that would be near Zaleski that has not been built yet. Uh, construction held up for some reason. It hadn't started. But at least three solar projects that we know of that are, are proposed and, and could happen. Uh, one in Benton County, two in Jackson County, another one. Uh, talked about in in Jackson County, speculatively at least. So um, he talked about how this can be good, not just from a green energy standpoint, and uh, you know all the all the all what you hear about climate and clean energy and like that. It's it is another source of revenue too, because uh, a source of revenue comes in because of the use of the land and so forth. Right. And the truth is that farmers farmland, agriculture land, uh, land out in the county can be worth a lot more with this type of energy than if it just sits there or even if it's used for farming. Some of the people in the farming communities are worried about the loss of farmland or whatever. Right. But, you know, once again, this is a source of income for the people who own those lands and so forth. And he used the example of his home county, Paulding County, where he'd been a county commissioner they had uh, some concerns about uh, the county budget. They had concerns about proper school funding. And that has changed all the way around because of solar and wind power is in Paulding County. Paulding County is a long way from Jackson County. I was going to say, it, where is that? It is in, it's in northwest Ohio, okay. you know, up towards Toledo. But it's a small county about the size of Jackson County. And uh, he says that they have turned their county around. Some farmland has been lost, but uh, it's brought income not only to the property owner you know who leased or sold their land right but also to the local governments right and so in schools he made the yeah he made the commissioners more aware of that and anytime that you have one of these things whether it's direct property tax or it's in uh, payment in lieu of taxes uh the biggest benefactor are the schools absolutely because that is the way that ohio set up uh, with property tax being a key component of revenue for the schools. Yep. So, um, you know what's coming up this weekend? The Jackson County Fair. You can bet on the ponies, Pete. I know. That'll be that'll be the first thing. And we're going to have a, a, our, our man, Jeremiah, who's standing in for James Hamilton he is, today. He's here. wrote a very nice story for us uh, about the, the fair. It'll be in our Wednesday edition. But it'll be A to Z kind of covering what's going on, the, the programming, the entertainment, uh, the price of admission, uh, some of the improvements on the fairgrounds. Uh, that story is going to cover it all. But, uh, you know, a lot of folks kind of look forward to the entertainment part. And the first, uh, the first attraction at the fair, the full fair doesn't really kick in until Monday. But there's activities starting on Thursday, and it starts with harness racing. It does. Harness racing is on both on Thursday and on Friday evening at uh, at at uh, seven o'clock, and uh, the harness racing uh, will be from the Southern Ohio Colt Circuit on Friday on Thursday and Friday night. Right now, the weather forecast is looking good. That's always a big yes, thing it on is. the harness racing. You have paramutual wagering. That's and, right. And for the same bet reason the that people like to buy lottery tickets, they like to bet on the ponies. And this is, you don't have to go to Scioto Downs or someplace to nope. do it. You can just drive right up the road to Wellston and do that. All right. So we've never asked Jeremiah. So I do this poll every year, okay? Jeremiah, when you go to bet on the ponies, how do you choose the winner? I've never bet on ponies. <gasps> I've never been actually during the fair what? during harness racing before. Mine is you bet on the horse with the the jockey has the prettiest outfit. Okay. Okay. What do you do, Pete? Uh, it would be if the name is catchy to me. Oh, the name? Like that's what I would go with. Dad name. always said he went with the horse with the longest legs. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Hmm. But uh, but the harness racing. At, well, you think about your strategy and let us know. Oh, okay. And what was yours? Yours was the prettiest outfit. Prettiest right? outfit by yes. the jockey. Okay. Yes. All right. 
But anyway, the racing will be at 6 p.m. both of those evenings. That's when the racing will start. The cost to enter the fairgrounds will be $5 per person. And you can get the programs, which has some information about each race. And, you know, you can... Yeah, that's a scientific. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be scientific and that, read about a, each that's horse, that's a scientific fine, way. But... You know, it has the records of the horses and all well, like that, where they're ever. from and who the races are. <laughs> the, those cost three dollars. And uh, Chris Walls, who is a fair board member, and he kind of oversees the harness racing. He provided some information to our sports editor Todd Compton, and we'll have a separate story in Wednesday's edition about the harness racing. Okay. But once again, that will be on Thursday and Friday. Come up with your own strategy on Thursday and Friday evening. But uh, some of the highlights of the fair, uh, as we look uh, you know, beyond that, you will talk more about that next week. Sure. But the full fair kicks in on Monday. All the rides will be going there, and, and everything yep. will be open by then. But there will be some activities. After the harness racing on Thursday and Friday, there will be some activities on both Saturday and Sunday at the fairgrounds, including the opening fair ceremony, which will be at 4 p.m. on Sunday. That is when the new queen and court, who've already been named, Okay. Uh, will be officially crowned, and there'll be other announcements there, announcements of scholarships and so forth. Uh, there'll be entertainment spread throughout the schedule, including on the weekend. For instance, there'll be a greased pig contest on Saturday evening. Uh, there will be a baby contest earlier in the day on Saturday. On Sunday, there'll be a performance by the Rock House Band that will follow the opening fair ceremony. There will also be one of the big events, a truck and tractor pull yes. on Sunday evening as the fair board tries to kind of like stretch out and, and have something interesting to draw people in each day. Admission for the fair will vary depending on the day of the fair and what's going on. Uh, one of the days it will be free, uh, but on other days it, it could be $5. Most days it will be $10 for the fair, but that okay. that includes everything. That's I mean, your rides when, and everything. When you, when, you go in, yep. when you go in, that covers everything, including the grandstand entertainment. Yep. But some of the special events this year that you can look forward to, one of the new things that uh, receiving a lot of publicity is a micro wrestling program. It is. This is there they this are. Is, yeah, this is wrestling. The wrestlers are all five feet tall or shorter, and they will wrestle each other. And wrestling is very popular, uh, and this is a, a special kind of wrestling, obviously. And they are selling ringside seats. You know, it doesn't cost extra to go to the wrestling thing, but if you want a ringside seat, and there's already been some good sales for that, uh, you can pay for uh, premium seating uh, at the uh, at the at the micro wrestling, which will be on Wednesday evening. At 6 p.m., not this Wednesday evening, but the full the fair week. Wednesday. Yeah, the 20th. Uh, on, on the 20th, correct. All right, You'll, Jeremiah has something to say. I, I just I just noticed um, the the slides that keep running in the background here for the Jackson County Fair and the ones that I have pulled here. Um, the dates for the fair is wrong on here. Um, so anybody watching this, oh, um, <laughs> the Jackson County Fair is July 14th through the 23rd. And on the slide, it's got 14th through the 25th. Oh, So it does okay. not run through Monday the 25th, just for anybody that's watching. Nope, if you're that's listening, right. you, you're right. you can't see this, but Good just, point. just be aware. I don't, yeah. I don't know if this is something they made or maybe James made, but we'll have to see if we can get them, get them fixed. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. It, the fair always ends on Saturday, um, and uh, it will start, you know, we, as I said, with the harness racing and all the rides and everything. You can the full it will be full bore on Monday, but yes. there's things starting as early oh, as Thursday. For sure. And the official officially the fair starts on July 14th, which is uh, the first night of the harness racing. Uh, but uh, some of the other big attractions, you know, we'll talk more about the Diamond J Rodeo will be on Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. The micro wrestling, as we said, will be uh, at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, the Brent Jenkins Memorial Demolition Derby, always popular demolition derby, will be uh, the closing act of the fair on Saturday oh, evening yeah. at 6 p.m. That is wild. Right. And, <laughs> uh, right. And, of course, uh, you know, on the junior fair side, uh, on that end of the fairgrounds, you'll have all the animal shows going on. Uh, and it will all culminate with the junior fair livestock auction. Yes. Which will start at 3 p.m. on Friday uh, the 22nd. That's right. I feel like they're starting that a little earlier than they have Well, in it's the been past. three or four years now that they moved it, it up to three okay. o'clock. And, and, you know, it takes so long to go through all the animals that, you know, um, Jeremiah and, and I have covered the fair for some time. And, you know, 
I've left there after midnight. Oh, before. for sure. Definitely. So, you know, that's, that's a long time for everybody. Yeah. So, you know, instead of starting at four o'clock or five o'clock, they're starting at three o'clock and that's Makes been sense. going on for a number of years now. Okay. And they, they, they have been able to successfully have a very good auction, but move it along a little quicker maybe than they have in past years. So, uh, but the livestock sale is something, if you're interested in buying an animal, of course you don't have to attend the whole livestock sale unless you're trying to target a certain animal. Uh, they run them in order, don't know what the, uh, what the uh, order of sale is this year, but they always rotate every year. But, you know, they'll sell all this one type of animal and then go to the next animal and whatever. So you can really go when it's convenient for you unless you're looking to buy a certain animal yeah. uh, by a certain uh, I that, have was the, a, that was raised by a certain kid. The order uh, this year, chickens, turkeys, rabbits, beef feeders, lambs, goats, dairy market, feeders, dairy steers, steers, and hogs. Okay, there you go. And, and uh, we will be repeating that, you know, on TV and on the radio as well. Yep. Uh, you know, there has been some major improvements at the fairgrounds. We'll talk about that another time, too, because we had a lot of other news to get through. But the, the big improvements were a, um, a complete redo of the 4-H building. They mm -hmm. didn't tear it down and start all over, but it was close to it. They put on a new roof. They put on uh, a new metal roof. They put on uh, a new metal siding. Uh, improvements to the interior uh, they built a storage room inside uh, they improved the kitchen uh, new ceiling new walls it's just uh, it, it is a uh, it is probably about a $100,000 deal nice. right there close to a $100,000 deal 90 to $100,000 conservatively uh, and that building goes back to at least the 1990s and so it was time yeah. for, for a major facelift they also have put a new uh, roof on the horse racing barn okay. uh, that is on the uh, on the on on that end of the fairgrounds and so uh, uh one of the reasons they were able to do the 4-h building or do the whole project at least they you know they were planning on doing this anyway but they got forty thousand dollars in capital money nice. from the state capital budget and according to chris walls that allowed them to do everything this year and they just finished up. It's, it's all done. Good. Uh, they were rushing to get it done for the fair and you will see instead of a light green building, a dark green building. Okay. So it looks a little bit different too, but a shame, same shape and in the same place. So you definitely want to stop off Love and, it. and see that. All right. Uh, some other things to let you know about, uh, Jennifer, um, want to tell you about, uh, a major, uh, improvement that took place on state route 93, just south of Jackson, uh, just before you get to South View School, between Standpipe Road and Four Mile Road. Uh, anyone who travels that road knows that that railroad crossing oh, is bumpy. Talk man. about talk about uh, an unofficial speed bump there. If you don't hit that thing just <laughs> right, you can lose your car easy. No, you, people who know really slow down or they look for you, the least bumpy I've part got, of that crossing. I've <laughs> found if you go about one or two feet to the right to mm -hmm. cross it that you normally would cross it, you're good. But if you misjudge, boy, oh boy. Uh, you know, throw this bad. Talk about maybe a tire alignment job oh. that you're going to have to do, or no, maybe worse. It's you know, maybe horrible. Lose a tire. But uh, the Ohio South Central Railroad, it's their responsibility. It's the railroad company. It's not ODOT. It's not the city. It's not the county. Uh -huh. They are the ones who had the work done, and this was a very welcome project. It closed State Route 93 at that location yesterday. They did get the work done by the end of the day. That route. I'm told, is now open. Well, that was fast. Exactly. There will be another major railroad crossing project. There's been, you know, they periodically they are always improving these crossings, repairing them. But another one that will really affect traffic, but will also be welcome, will take place right here in the city of Jackson at the crossing on State Route 93, which is the same as East Main Street, in the block between Huron Street and South Street there at People's Bank and right next to the Park Edge Event Center. Okay. That crossing is a little rough too. Now, traffic isn't going through there as fast as it is on the highway, but that crossing will be repaired next week. And that's going to be a major deal to work there. And of course, you know, that's city traffic as well. But they expect that crossing to be closed for seven days starting Ooh. next Monday, July the 18th. Oof. So, you know, you can still get into those businesses. You just can't drive through while that crossing is closed. Okay. 
but um, you know, I'm sure that the access to the businesses will be there. But you know, you, you just have to be strategic. It's going to be from one direction or the other. If you if you're familiar with Jackson, you know where that crossing is. You know where what direction you need to yeah. come from to get to certain businesses, and you have to drive around if you're driving through. But uh, that will take place starting on Monday, July the 18th, and it could take up to seven days. It's expected to be reopened by the end of the day, the following Monday, July the 25th. Okay. Also, another project that's taking place in that same area uh, involves a manhole uh, on East Main Street, uh, very near uh, Wendy's and Walgreens. This is a City of Jackson project. And what it's going to okay. do, starting Thursday, it's going to close that center lane of traffic there on that part of East Main Street. And that's a big deal, too, because you have people, you know, turning onto uh, South Street or, uh, or uh, getting in that lane to turn into Wendy's or whatever. And uh, you won't be able to use the center lane for, um, for a period of probably four days, starting Thursday and going through Sunday, July the 17th. Okay. So you'll have the center lane traffic there near the intersection of Main and South Street on Main Street affected. Then the following week, starting on Monday, the railroad crossing work will take place. Okay. So, you know, we'll have all this, uh, you know, in the newspaper, on the website, on Facebook, but we wanted to tell our television audience about that as well. Very good. All right. And do not forget, we have the special primary election coming up on August the 2nd uh, that involves just uh, the position, and this is a statewide primary, so this is good for both Jackson and Vinton counties. Mm -hmm. uh, August the 2nd, Tuesday, August the 2nd, uh, nominations, Republican and Democrat, for state Senate, state representative, and state central committeeman, and that's all it is. And once again, that's because of all the problems getting <laughs> the new legislative maps approved. Uh, that issue really isn't over, but they had to go forward at some point. You mean trying to get the Republicans and Democrats to agree on something? Right, exactly. Uh -huh. and, and, the, and, the, and the court is saying, you know, the maps aren't fair. They're gerrymandered. In other words, they're claiming that it, it's too much in favor of the Republicans who have the majority on the restricting the redistricting commission. Yep. But, you know, that's another story. But the bottom line is that's why we're having a special primary election on the 2nd in both Jackson and Vinton counties and in any county in Ohio. Absentee and early voting is already taking place. Yes. So these are important positions uh, that represent us in the state legislature. And, uh, you know, for the people who are interested on the party level, uh, also the people who represent uh, the, the respective Republican Democrat parties, Central Committee men, Central Committee women for the Senate districts that represent Jackson and Benton counties, uh, those positions are on there as well. And on the early voting, uh, right now, extended hours at all the boards of elections, they open at 8 a.m., they close at 5 p.m. Yes. Later on, they'll ext extend to 7 p.m. on weekday evenings. You and have then, plenty of time. Then on the weekend before the election, we'll even be open on Saturday and Sunday for uh, certain hours, all the way until 2 p.m. Monday. I believe this is the last time that you can vote early. Right. And you can vote absentee, you know, all through there. You need to request a ballot or pick one up at the board of elections. Okay. All right, some some fun stuff that happened over the weekend and good stuff. Um, there was a fundraiser called Christmas in July that took place at Manpower Park. All right, and you know they had uh, they had some weather issues. Uh, weren't sure they were going to be able to get it in. There was a little bit of rain, but it didn't ruin it. They were able to do it. Mostly it was just uh, cloudy, but the Apple City Motorcycle Club and Jaffe who both have Christmas projects, decided to join together. That's so good. You know, two is better than one. Love it. And they had a cruise in, they had a motorcycle ride, and uh, they had a, a, a Jeep ride. And on the cruise in side, first place went to Joe Wyant. Yes. Of course, we know Joe, uh, the main officer there at the Ohio Valley Bank branch in Jackson. And that is his 1973 Dodge Charger. Ain't that a beaut? Yes. It took, it took first Place. And he's got the red shirt on because he is a former Apple Festival president and, of course, a very active member of Jaffe as well. Yes. Uh, in Saturday's paper, we'll have a report, uh, you know, on this uh, fundraising event along with some pictures of some of the other winners 
in the judging for the, the cruise in and the motorcycle ride and the Jeep ride. The way it turned out, there was not a Jeep ride, but they did have a Jeep judging contest. Cool. So we'll tell and you. And it's all for the kids, right? Right. This, this raises money so they can buy uh, Christmas gifts for needy families at Christmas. And they work with the other groups that do similar projects, like the gear grinders here in Jackson, the fire department in Wellston, to see that it gets spread out and mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, you know, a f one family in need doesn't get, you know, four bags of Christmas gifts and another that gets left out totally. I think they, this project in particular works with the city school district uh, in, in throughout the counties, the city school districts uh, to, uh, to find out where the need is. And um, so this was the major fundraiser called Christmas in July at Manpower awesome. Park. But it was a, it was a great event, uh, uh, good attendance there, good participation. Uh, and Jaffe, uh, the Jaffe members in the Apple City Motorcycle Club gave up uh, a lot of time to uh, make that happen this weekend. Same time over in Wellston, or not too far from Wellston, they had uh, the Christmas in July event, uh, also called Christmas in July, <laughs> at Lake Alma State yes. Park, which is actually in Vinton County, but it's near Wellston. And one of the big things there was that Santa Claus came <gasps> late in the day. Uh, Santa Claus came. Santa was there? Santa was there. The, it was the Wellston Lions Club Santa who was there. Nice. Dressed in uh, summer gear, not in the old Santa Claus suit. I would um, say it's a little hot for but, him to but be Sa wearing all Sa that. Santa met the kids. Santa met the kids, and they had a decorated bike contest. They had a cute kid contest. They had a fishing derby. And this was done by the Friends of Lake Alma. And this raised money for a good cause as well. It not only brought attention to Lake Alma, of course, which is a beautiful place. It and is. Very popular with lovely. the campers. What it did was it raises money for projects at Lake Alma that, you know, uh, the state it isn't able to do on its own. It, it, you know, it's just like the support clubs for uh, uh, the athletic programs at the schools. The schools can only do so much, and the support clubs are, allow you to do the extras. And that's what the Friends of Lake Alma is all about. Yes. And so I know that they had a lot of participation there, and they had a good day there as well, too. Uh, Red Thompson Jr. showed up to meet Santa Claus late in the evening, and we'll have some coverage on that uh, in our Saturday paper as well. We want to give congratulations to former uh, to a Jackson High School alumna and a 2018 Jackson High School graduate, Allison Bragg. Allison graduated from the United States Air Force Academy. So oh, that way is to a, go! That is a great achievement. Yes. Uh, she graduated uh, the last weekend in May, and there is Allison on the right with her proud parents, That's Tom amazing. and Kathy Bragg, and. Uh, she was in the band at Jackson High School, of course, a great student. You have to be to get into yes. one of the military academies. But she made it through four years there. Of course, you know, three quarters of the cadets are men, but didn't stop her. She made it through. She will now be stationed at an Air Force base in the state of Washington at Olympia. Okay. And so uh, congratulations to Allison. We'll have coverage of that in the paper as Love well. It. All right. This past weekend... Um, at the uh, actually last Thursday at the Marquet Cultural Arts Center, uh, there was a new exhibit that opened there. Yes, uh, with uh, Ethan Michael and uh, Ethan Michael and Dustin Herbert. Yep, uh, they are both artists. There they are together. I there. love that picture. It's just so them. Right, <laughs> right. Ethan on the left and Dustin on the right, and uh, there was a in addition to people being able to see their art. Uh, Dustin is a photographer, and uh, and uh, Ethan does uh, woodworking art. Yes, uh, wood, the wood burning. Uh, the wood yes. burning uh, on the art, and uh, Ethan Michael and uh, his son and some others sang. They did. So they had what they called cart. It was uh, it was a concert with art. Yes. They called it cart. We came up with that on okay. the show. Well, that was good. I didn't know. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that. But, uh, but James wrote a nice story on that. Of course, he's on the Southern Hills Arts Council board, wrote a nice story. So we have some coverage in this Wednesday's paper. Yes. Uh, their exhibits, uh, Ethan Michael and Dustin Herbert, there they are performing yes. there. Uh, they had a, a concert there in the auditorium. And then, they, of course, they debuted their uh, artwork as well. Uh, the Marquet is open, free to the public. You can see all the art there uh, from the Michael and Herbert exhibits. 
uh, 12 to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Volunteers will be there uh, to let you in and see the art, once again, free of charge. All right, we want to tip our hat to uh, some students at the Buckeye Hills Career Center. They went to a national contest. Jeremiah covered this for us. He didn't go to the national contest in Atlanta, but he got with the students Well, why afterwards. didn't you, Jeremiah? <laughs> it it wasn't, wasn't in the budget. Okay. okay. But he did the next best thing. He uh, got the information for us. Uh, we got a news release from Buckeye Hills Career Center. Yes. Uh, he went out and talked to some of the students, and we'll have that story coming in the paper this Saturday as well, we hope. Uh, but uh, we had some national champions. There on the right is Olivia Haggerty. She won a gold medal, which made her a national champion. And uh, there on the in the left-hand picture, um, you have uh, Skills USA advisor Sue Burleson, and then uh, Buckeye Hills Career Center students Daniel Pretty and Emily Scott. They both were selected as models of excellence, and each also won a gold medal at the Skills USA National Leadership and Skills Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Nice. Uh, so this took place June twentieth to twenty fourth. Of course, they did very well at the regional level. Uh, They did great at the state level. They qualified for this national competition and to go anywhere. Oh, my goodness. And win the gold medal or win first place in national competition is just fantastic. So uh, we wanted to spotlight these students, and we will have that coverage in Saturday's paper. We thank Jeremiah for tracking that down and actually uh, taking that story one step further by talking to the students. So that coverage coming in Saturday's paper. Awesome. All right, uh, we want to let you know that uh, another wonderful thing for the community is about to unfold. We'll have to wait just a little bit longer. The floor, the new floor at the Jackson area YMCA. Yay! And you know how that happened. It was uh, 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 a great effort by Tim Harvey and his staff mm-hmm. to want to undertake this because it cost a lot of money. It does. You know, they got a lot of donations, and then they got a big lift from the county commissioners when they uh, allocated some of the ARPA money because they felt that this would benefit the public and the community. For sure. That helped it get it over the top. Well, in recent weeks, they have been actually laying that floor. Uh, They thought that it might even be open this past weekend, but they're going to need another seven days. On Sunday, the YMCA announced that it would be seven more days before uh, the floor would be ready for use. The floor company has to uh, apply another coat of chemicals. When this is done and, you know, it's dried and everything, uh, it will be open. Okay. Uh, And one of the big events that they're going to have, the first major event, is a three-on-three basketball tournament the weekend of July the 30th. And uh, it will start at 12 p.m., uh, it's $100 per team. And not only is it celebratory because it's the first major event, this is a fundraiser to, uh, to uh, not only celebrate the floor, but also improve facilities and equipment uh, at the YMCA wow, that nice are that in is. connection with the floor. And thanks, Jeremiah, for putting that picture up. Uh, doesn't that look nice? Yes. Uh, and they are on the, they're working on the finishing touches of that floor uh, you know, as we speak, Great. Uh, another week and it should be ready to go. Uh, even if you, you know, you're not a Y member, stop by and see the floor. Maybe that will, uh, you know, uh, incentivize some people to become members because, because, sure. uh, you know, they are very community oriented. I can't, we can't say this enough. Sometimes you get the image YMCA private country club. This, our YMCA is not that way. It's for everybody. Yes. They try to be very inclusive. They try to do scholarships in other ways to allow participation and use of the floor. Um, They have major public events there that don't have anything directly to do with the Y. It's been a a polling place for the Board of Elections, et cetera. So um, anyway, uh, a big thing for the YMCA, that floor will be done very soon. Awesome. All right. Uh, We also want to tell you, uh, uh, speaking of the Board of Elections, this happened at the last meeting of the Jackson City Board of, Educa- uh, Jackson City Board of Education, Jennifer. Um, the school board was approached about the school being used, the field house, as a polling place. Now, this happened okay. before, and the school wasn't ready to do it. You know, there was the COVID going on sure. and so forth. But the Board of Elections asked again, and in 2023, 
it appears that voting, the voting polling places in the Jackson area are going to go to the Jackson High School Fieldhouse. The Board of Education, at its most recent meeting, approved this to happen. Superintendent Phil Howard is on board as well because okay. he's very big about the fact that the facilities belong to the public. So this will, uh, of course, a lot of parking there, you know, that will yes. help. And we can't say for sure what polling places will change, but I'm guessing that for sure the folks who vote in the, at the Jackson area YMCA now will be going to the field house of the high school, not on August the 2nd, not on November the 8th this year, <laughs> but next year is when it will be changed. And if you want to get a workout, Pete, you could walk to the polling place mm -hmm. up the hill mm -hmm. and you will be, you know, it's like double. You could get your workout <laughs> and vote all at the same time. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm expecting the Board of Elections also to make requests to the Wellston and Oak Hill School Districts as well. I know they did that already, yes. too. And it's being discussed. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but it looks like for sure the polling places in the Jackson area are going to switch to the field house at Jackson High School. Okay. All right. Um, another thing that we want to uh, tell you about uh, is um, at the uh, has to do with the uh, the veteran service. Uh, the uh, Tim Reed, who is the um, who is the veteran service officer in Vinton County, he sat down with uh, R. Red Thompson and talked about the importance of the VA Medical Center in Chillicothe staying open. Yes. He provided some figures on uh, how that has, uh, what a big impact uh, that has on uh, Vinton County. And listen to these figures. I, I threw these out before, but uh, he talked about just Vinton County. There's 833 veterans in Vinton County in a population of about 13,000 plus. Okay. Uh, wow. There was a total of seven $8 million spent at the VA uh, in medical care from Vinton County residents, $7.8 million a year in 2021. So Man. you can see the impact that that has uh, in, in Vinton County. Uh, if the VA was not there and they switched out some outpatient and some of the more acute care and many of the medical services were no, would no longer be available at Chillicothe, they'd have to go to Columbus, they'd have to go to Dayton, they'd have to go to Cincinnati. Some of those, I mean, it would be uh, not as convenient. It would be much more expensive. The truth is some of the veterans may not make that trip. And, you know, that is one of the benefits they have. They don't have that benefit if they go to another hospital, a private hospital. Right. So this was a big thing. We talked about this before, Jennifer. This was a secondary thing, but this would have been huge, too, if that uh, facility would have been closed. 1,400 jobs there. Uh, not That's only in Ross County, but, you know, people from Jackson County oh, and Vinton County sure. work there. Good government jobs. Yes. And the impact, the ripple effect that this would have had on the community uh, would have been huge. Mm. But, of course, you know, if you weren't paying attention last week when this news broke, um, uh, a group of uh, bipartisan senators led by United States Senator from Ohio, the, a Democrat, Sherrod Brown, found a way to kind of uh, circumvent the lobbying process where they basically, the senators, the United States Senate, before this was final, uh, before these recommendations from the VA were final, the Department of United States Department of Veterans Affairs, the Senate would have to nominate the commission members who are making this recommendation, which seems like a, you know, a formality. Well, they're just not going to nominate them. So the commission won't exist to make these recommendations <laughs> stick. So, See it? Outside so, the box thinking. Right, right, I like but, it. Right. It was very ingenious, but the bottom line is that wouldn't be happening if this group of bipartisan centers and the Senate as a whole, and maybe even the administration in Washington, mm -hmm. wasn't favorable to this. Yes. But it was really going to be an uphill battle because uh, even though to us here in South Central and Southeastern Ohio, I mean, why would you want to close that facility and have people drive that far when you're trying to do an overall plan to improve veterans' mm -hmm. health care in the county? Why would you do that? Well, there were three veterans hospitals that were going to close, including the one in Chillicothe. Well, they were going to build a lot of others and improve a lot of others. So they would be losing all these good things across the country. So you can't pick one thing out and yeah. eliminate it. It was one package. It was up or down. And for uh, Sherrod Brown, and he, I have to give him credit for being the main guy making it happen. Rob Portman was on board as well, yes. a Republican senator. Other senators, both Republican and Democrat, were 
all that would not have happened if you didn't have uh, these forums that took place in both Jackson and Benton counties. The veterans came out and spoke. People were very passionate about it. Local officials got involved. Uh, they got on the bandwagon, too. And uh, so, you know, if you don't have this happening, if you don't rattle some chains, if you don't let the democratic and the political process work, you know, there's going to be uh, results that you don't want. So absolutely, uh, this, this was a case where um, I think, frankly, for our area, this was a bad idea. There's no doubt about that. Oh, uh, it, it might have been good in the long run for everybody. But, you know, here in South Central, Southeastern Ohio, it was bad. Uh, but the people spoke up. Senator Brown, in particular, showed leadership at the federal level. And uh, now this is not going to happen. Now, Arnold Tripp, who is the veteran service officer in Jackson County, he is keeping a wary eye out because things can happen in any federal budget. They can, they can make changes. They can make proposals. And people within the VA, some people within the VA thought that this was a good thing to do overall. So it could come back on the table sometime. Okay. So we'll, we'll have to be very vigilant about that. Okay. So there we are, Jennifer. We went through uh, the news and we've got about four minutes to spare. Hey, there you go. You got any jokes? I only have one joke, and I've told it a million times here on the program. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hear it? I haven't heard it. You haven't? I don't think so. If I have, I'll laugh again. Okay. This is my only joke that I ever remember. What did the skeleton say when he walked into the bar? I don't know. Jeremiah, do you know? Can I have a beer and a mop? Can I have a beer and a mop? Mm -hmm. it's, I'm not there. So if a skeleton drank a beer, where would it go? Oh, on the floor. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. You made me. You made me think too hard early on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> but that's uh, that's good. All right. Anybody else have a joke? Oh, Jeremiah does. So I, I heard one the other day. Okay. It's kind of like a joke, I guess, of sorts. But uh, I heard I heard that the uh, company that makes uh, yardsticks aren't going to make them any longer. So it's kind of a bit of news. Do you get it? They're I not, do. They're not going to make, not them, gonna any make them any longer. Yeah. Because okay. it's only a yard. I, I, I sent that one to a friend of mine and he called and was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I had to explain it to him. I got it. It takes a minute, doesn't it? It does. But, uh, dad, but it, dad joke, I guess. That's a dad joke for sure. Where's Brittany when you need her? <sighs> Speaking of, uh, Brittany made me a funny card for my birthday. We have to show it. Here. Oh, Jeremiah's got it. The horse queen rides again. I guess. It's got me on a horse with a six cents beer and Marley. <laughs> the dog. Marley's your retriever, right? Yes, she is. She's my girl. <laughs> well, happy birthday, Jennifer. Hey, thanks. It was like several days ago you now. Don't, but you don't yeah. look a day older than 30. Oh, thanks, Pete. I know I love you for a reason. He's so full of it. No, you. we'll do, we'll do a poll with them, the TV audience, oh, see what they think. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> so what is your, okay, here's a good one. We've got like a minute left. What is your favorite Jackson County Fair food? Oh, that's easy. Um, I go to the Jackson Cattlemen's Club and I get a steak sandwich. Dang it! Is Me that too. your suit? Yes. I mean, amongst all the, you know, I guess, you know, you could say elephant ear or something like that, but I always hit the Cattlemen's Club. Uh, Love it. There probably isn't a place that I wouldn't stop and enjoy it. So Exactly. But the, the Cattlemen's Club steak sandwich, I Same. like. Same, right. absolutely. What about you, Jeremiah? Yeah, I like I like getting a sandwich from the from the cattlemen's back there. I usually I usually take some money with me when I'm back there for a show or something, and I always get something from the cattlemen's. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. Um, if you if you don't know what we're talking about, it's by the Livestock Arena, and they literally stand out and man the grill all day long. So they're cooking stuff up fresh all the time. They have ribeye steak sandwiches. They have burgers, hot dogs. All that stuff is really good, right? And there's a, there's a lot of local vendors up there as there well are. as as well as yes. the uh, concessionaires that come in from the outside with the with the carnival company. And so, of uh, course, so it's not 
it's not the place you want to go if you're looking to lose a few pounds. But, on you know, it's, diet, only, it's only once a year, the fair. It is. See, it's, and that's the thing. You just got to kind of just go with it and be like, this is only one week a year and uh, I'm going to treat myself a little bit. Right. And we do want to we do want to say this. Uh, you know, we talked about the fair. It's so easy to take it for granted. A lot of work takes place throughout the year to make it happen. And and one of the one of the ways that the that the fair board's trying to improve the fair is they're trying to use the grounds throughout the year and the camping facilities that are there that were expanded here a year or so ago to try to bring in some income. And uh, he, here's one of the here's one of those uh, little indirect effects of having camping available. Remember when the pipeline workers were in Jackson County yes, for a long time, a long time laying the gas line? Well, a lot of them stayed at the fairgrounds oh. multiple months. And some of that income from the camping allowed sure. them to do some of those physical improvements Isn't this year. is that awesome? Right. So, you know, it worked out. Thank you. But do, you know, we we thank the veterans for their service. Thank the fair board members for oh, their service, absolutely. too. absolutely. Definitely thankless. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, they work all year round. It's particularly very hard from January on planning the fair. It is. Uh, they spend a lot of volunteer time up there working on the ground, something like that. There's not, there's not like there's a full-time fair staff. It's right. not, not a full-time job. It's, it's very much a, a dedication type thing. And about 21 members on the fair. Fair board, and uh, you know their names are in the fair book. Uh, thank them for yeah, what they thank do. Thank them when you see them. Exactly. All right. Well, Pete, thank you for spending the morning with us. We appreciate it. Okay. And uh, as always, he's full of it, and we appreciate that. When we say it, we mean news. Okay. Uh -huh. All right. Well, thanks for the qualifying. Through qualifying it. that. I'm here for you, buddy. And all thank right. you, Jeremiah, for, for pushing all the right buttons as James is in a meeting this morning and could not be with us. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll be right back here tomorrow morning. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Right. Thank you.